Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host, Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and four things up for review to start off 2024. First is Godzilla Minus One. Then there's Ferrari, the carmaker biopic. Then there's The Boys in the Boat, directed by George Clooney. And finally, The Brothers Soon on Netflix. First up is Godzilla Minus One, and technically this came out towards the end of last year, but I wanted to start my new year off with something, you know, with a bang, basically. And there are other new releases that came out today, but they either seemed like the subject matter was really heavy, or I just, I wasn't ready to take that on, and I'd heard wonderful things about Godzilla Minus One, and I was like, you know what, let's start our year off right. And it did the job. So I thought it was, I didn't think it was going to be a comedy, and I didn't think it was going to be like a cheesy old classic Godzilla. What I ended up getting to see was... A film that is actually a meditation on the trauma and PTSD of war that happens to have Godzilla in it. And I say this as a compliment. Like, this movie actually is pretty complex for a Godzilla movie. And don't worry, Godzilla is actually in it. But basically, the idea is it follows this one character who was fighting at the end of World War II and that has an encounter with Godzilla. And, you know, it's sort of the aftermath of his survival of World War II and, you know, what happens in Japan in the years following and, and the people he meets along the way. And then, of course, the threat of Godzilla. But what I thought was actually the most well-done part was him grappling with, you know, the actions that he'd taken during the war, you know, how it affected the society there. I was actually very surprised that this film felt pretty critical of how the Japanese government handled the post-war sort of stuff. And, you know, I don't know if that's something we tend to get to see a lot in the West. So I appreciated the, the sort of constructive criticism potentially there. And then also you get Godzilla in this film and he looks great. He's not like the super chonky version that's in like the Kong versus Godzilla stuff. So maybe he evolves, you know, I do think this is canonical. I think they're all technically canonical. But since this is sort of taking place in the 40s, you know, it's it's we don't have to deal with like connecting the dots. But honestly, the journey that the characters go on it was really interesting. Now, I'm always rooting for Godzilla in any Godzilla movie. So it's a little tough when, you know, they're coming for him. And the new ones have crafted this sort of complicated lore about him being like a guardian of nature and restoring the balance and blah, blah, blah. No, this was just great in that it's like classic Godzilla comes out of the water. Oh, no, giant scary monster. But then again, also dealing with the the sort of implications of the societal disrupt that World War II caused. I hope I'm effectively conveying my warmth towards this movie because I really did find it to be a compelling watch. And I hope people don't write it off just because it has Godzilla in the title. This isn't necessarily beating you over the head war drama, but it does go into those topics. And I also don't think we get to see the perspective of like foreign soldiers a lot or foreign to us if you're a Western audience. And thinking about it from that perspective of like, yeah, these were people who were patriots for their country and firmly believed in, you know, needing to defend their home through any means possible against other forces, let alone Godzilla. But yeah, I, I actually thought, you know, there were a lot more layers than I was expecting to Godzilla minus one. And then of course you get Godzilla. So I'm going to give this film a 4.3 out of 5. It is absolutely worth checking out. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The next film I have is Ferrari, and this is the biopic about Enzo Ferrari. It's being played by Adam Driver, who I need, you know, I know this is partially marketing's fault, but they kept being like, oh, Adam Driver is unrecognizable. I'm like, no, he looks exactly like Adam Driver, just with silver hair, slick back, and in big glasses, which is totally fine, you know, but let's just not, let's not overhype this. It also stars Penelope Cruz, and, you know, kudos to the casting director who was like, let's cast people whose last names are Driver and Cruz in a movie about cars. Uh, it also has Shailene Woodley, Gabe Gabriel Leone, Jack O'Connell, Patrick Dempsey, and it is directed by Michael Mann. And, you know, I think it's kind of funny because Michael Mann was an executive producer on Ford v. Ferrari, and I was familiar with some of the events that Ferrari covers because I'd seen Ford v. Ferrari, but I also... 
you know, I feel like this movie is a little too inside baseball. And the reason I didn't prioritize reviewing it when it first came out is because I don't really know who to recommend this film to. You know, I think there will be car buffs who appreciate it. I think there will be history buffs who appreciate it. But my biggest challenge with it is that I didn't find the character of Enzo Ferrari relatable or sympathetic. And I've seen plenty of movies where, you know, you don't have to have the protagonist be that. But what I really didn't like is how it treated the women of the movie. You know, Penelope Cruz gives, I think, actually the best performance in this. She plays Enzo Ferrari's wife and kind of mini spoiler alert, like he has a child out of wedlock with somebody else and, you know, clearly loves this other woman, but he won't divorce Penelope Cruz because she's, uh, you know, Laura Ferrari because she's so heavily involved in the business and they had their own family issues. And, you know, it just, the, the real life figure clearly had to have been a super smart character who made some very savvy moves. She suffered a, like a major trauma. And I think this is part of the problem of it being a biopic in that, like, you know, this happened to real people. And, and yet we're supposed to what, like sympathize with, Enzo Ferrari and I know the film is just called Ferrari but it doesn't give the female characters enough depth to justify it being them so you know I I just like I don't like the idea of this character who's like a philanderer and keeping these both these women just like on the hook and all this stuff and also just being obsessed with the racing and the safety at the time was not great I think the car racing parts of it it's not something I necessarily gravitate towards in uh, watching films. I think they're fine. There's one sequence that is like very action packed and like very gruesome. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if I need to see this. Like, I don't know if I need this. It's technically rated R. And I was like, I don't know if we needed to go all the way there. It's important for the storytelling, but because I don't really care about their legacy or care about any of this stuff, like by the time we get to like one of the big races and all this stuff, I'm just like, meh, I'm being sort of like dragged along for the ride. So, you know, this just, I think the actors were trying certainly but I don't think the script and the story necessarily are like super compelling to me at least and we already sort of went over the Ferrari stuff in Ford v Ferrari and I don't I I don't know it just wasn't it's not a figure that I would be like "Mm, yes I would have you know again I would have actually liked her to be the protagonist and us to have more sympathy for her character but you can very clearly tell that it's one of those movies that comes from like a heavily male perspective and I I would have been interested in her story with a female writer and director but as it stands you know and again even trying to keep in mind okay car enthusiasts people like that type of movie I think there are better options out there for you I'm gonna give this a 2.9 out of 5. And then next up is The Boys in the Boat, which is another Christmas Day release that, you know, I sort of deprioritized because, again, wasn't sure. Well, actually, I do know who I'm going to recommend this one to. This is a dad movie. This is like if you have a white dad of a certain age and he likes sports, this is the movie for him and mostly him because much like Ferrari, uh, the female characters just exist in this one to like support the male characters which I uh, drives me up the wall it is 2024 at this point it was 2023 when this came out like come on people let's do better but literally the only role of the women in this is to support men which drives me up the wall uh it is directed by George Clooney and I was surprised but also not surprised having seen it that like it came and went and absolutely nobody talked about it because it's a very innocuous movie it's not a bad movie but it's not a great movie. Uh, it is also based on a true story about the 1936 University of Washington rowing team that competed at the Summer Olympics in Berlin. It stars Joel Edgerton as their coach. Callum Turner plays Joe Rance. He's the main sort of rower that we follow along with. Chris Diamantopoulos, who I'm sorry if I'm saying your name wrong, who I know from Silicon Valley, plays like a radio announcer, a newspaper reporter. And then Hadley Robinson plays uh, one of the girls who is in, you know, she's the, the beau-ish of Callum Turner's character and then everyone else is sort of like a newcomer etc and 
if my life depended on it, I could not distinguish between the boys who make up the rest of the boat. I barely probably could distinguish between Callum Turner. I don't mean this to like insult them necessarily. I just think that the story does not do a good job of distinguishing their individual backstories and traits. Like one or two of them get a moment or so, but you know, it, it's mostly focused on Callum Turner's character. And I think he's a fine actor. He's in an upcoming Steven Spielberg project called Masters of the Air, which is about pilots in, I can't remember if it's World War One or World War Two, but you know, either way, he, he has a sort of period piece look from like the mid-1900s. I think he's like a, he's a fine actor. He's a very sort of neutral palette, I will say. Again, the movie, it's a classic sports movie. If you know the real life story of how it happened, like great, you know, I didn't, so I got to learn along the way. I think the one thing I will point out, and I know this is like a tiny spoiler-ish, but not, this is a very white movie. I don't know how else to say it, but one of the biggest things about the Summer Olympics in Berlin in 1936 is one, of course, the fact that it was in Berlin in 1936, but two, Jesse Owens. And again, tiny, tiny, tiny spoiler, but Jesse Owens, the character, does appear oh so briefly in this movie. And I'm like, why did you include him? You've made this clearly about, and I get it, it's like appropriate for the times that this, these characters would all be white rowers. You know, you've made this movie very clearly about this. Like, why are you inserting this one piece of racial commentary into the middle of the movie when it's not about that? You know, if you want to be like, yeah, about sticking it to like, you know, Nazi Germany, that's one thing. But, you know, you're starting to go down this whole path about race relations that you like, you're like, you wanted to creak open the can of worms. Just kidding. We don't want to deal with that. It's way too complicated for us to unpack here. So that irked me a little bit because I'm like, why bother? Like, are we just trying to say like, look, there's a black person in this film because that's what it felt like to me. But aside from that, it's a perfectly neutral story. Classic sports story. If you are a rower or a former rower, you'll enjoy it. If you are somebody who just likes sports movies, you will enjoy it. If you are not in the target demographic of, let's be honest, probably white men, you might be a little bored by this. It's two hours and four minutes. It moves along fine. But, you know, it, it's again, it's not the most even storytelling. But I didn't find it hugely problematic. One of my biggest criticisms would be, like, it didn't bother to go there. But that's not what it was trying to be about. If they cut out the piece of commentary that they, like, just shoehorned in... I think it actually would have been a stronger film because I, I'm like, okay, well, if you're not gonna be brave enough to like address this issue, like, don't don't even try. Like, don't be don't be performative about it. But overall, I'll give it a three out of five. The last thing I have this week is a new series out on Netflix, and it's called The Brother's Son or The Brother's Soon, depending on where you're coming from. And this stars Michelle Yeoh as a former Taiwanese triad, you know, matriarch. And she has two sons, one of whom is in the life and lives in Taiwan. And the other, she has sequestered away in America and is, he has no idea of his background. And it is about like their worlds colliding. You know, they don't particularly remember each other. And then a series of events basically leads them all to reconnect. And then, you know, chaotic mafia stuff happens. And let me tell you, Michelle Yeoh, She's so amazing. She's so watchable in this. She's so good at classic Asian mom traits, but also being a badass and also just being so unfairly gorgeous. It's all of the things. And then her sons are played by Justin Chen and Sam Lee. I was not familiar with either of them before. I think they're kind of newcomers. There's a character who's an assistant district attorney played by Heidi Kwan. It's also got Jun Lee. And, you know, I will say, as much as I am praising Michelle Yeoh, I do think there are some uneven parts of the rest of the show that tend to star the other folks. Like when Michelle is not on screen, it's not as strong of a project. And, you know, that's not to discredit the other folks involved, but there are a few scenes that I thought 
were supposed to be a joke show within the show and then they were going to reveal that they were like on a film set and so these were like actors trying to act like they thought you know people think law enforcement is supposed to act if you see it you'll figure out who I'm talking about but anyway so it's very uneven I will also say a little bit like Ferrari there's a lot of inside baseball jokes about the LA area in it and there's a whole runner about improv which it was so accurate but also it's so ridiculously funny but you if you're not familiar with like those specifics you'll generally get it but you know it they they land harder for people who are aware also just like the geography and some of the local places in the southern california region like it adds the authenticity to it but i do feel like sometimes it went a little overboard and it could be a tiny bit exclusionary but overall you know, I think the, especially towards the later episodes, I got so invested in it. I think it, you know, it's eight episodes, which very Chinese, but I think it maybe could have been six, honestly, but I wasn't ever bored by it. I think maybe tonally, some of the moments may have been a little more dramatic than they were intending them to be, but Michelle Yeoh is just so compelling in this and like what her character has to go through and just, oh my God, highly recommend the series. The whole first season, and I'm kind of hoping we get a second one, is out on Netflix now. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked it, we would love it if you could leave us a five-star rating, a review, or even consider subscribing.